there are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE. With new interviews, with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Like Shawn Michaels. I could have easily said I'm not going to do it. Triple H. But you're going to have to learn to eat shit like tasted it. And X-Pac. K-Fate was already dead. Give me a break. The Book of Wrestling. 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Coming next week to Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Shout out to that guy, yes. The Majesty. Oh, my goodness. It's professional wrestling. Championship. A thousand percent. Confirmed. Mage. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. I've been doing this, I guess, now for around 10, 12 years, and it has just become my favorite weekend of the year every single year. So I'm excited to get to share it with you guys today, and we're excited to sit down in a few minutes with the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre, and talk about the, uh, the big couple of years that he's had and his match against Happy Corbin this weekend at WrestleMania. Um, SGG, let me start with you. Okay, okay. As we get as we get into WrestleMania weekend, what match do you find yourself thinking about the most? I, I gotta say, I mean, look, look at around, right? It's all branding, it's all marketing, and <laughs> WWE has really gotten me to buy into the the marketing of Brock and Roman as the greatest WrestleMania match ever, the biggest WrestleMania match ever. That's right. I, I'm bought in. I'm all in. You can call me a Vincel. You can call me an E Drone. You can call me what you want, but I'm sold on, on Brock Roman. 
Uh, no, listen, I think it's totally fair. Are you guys excited for Brock Roman on Sunday night? Uh, Dipper Scene, what is, uh, what is the match you're most looking forward to? I think uh, Edge and AJ is going to steal the show this Way. year. Hey! A lot of Edge heads here, huh? It seems that way. AJ! AJ! And some AJ people. You know, Edge, listen, Edge, AJ has the potential, of course, to be the best. I think we all would agree that on paper that could very easily yeah. turn out to be the best. It's a main match. event level Absolutely. match. Absolutely. It could be headlining. Any WrestleMania. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy, and obviously the way Edge has been behaving over the last month sets the scene for what should be a brutal and crazy match. Now, hold on, P, I got a question for you now. Go ahead. The Kevin Owens show, Stone Cold, is he showing up in uh, jorts and the knee braces? Is he showing up in trunks and knee braces? Do we see knee braces at all? What do you think? It's a very good question. Will Austin be in jorts or trunks? <laughs> yes. Will we see the knee braces? Yes. I don't believe we get trunks. I believe we get jorts and braces. Yeah. Okay. In other words... I think jorts and Tims. The, yeah. <laughs> jorts and Tims. By the way, either way, a mud hole is being stopped. Uh, Steve Weisers are being drank. And oh, it's yeah. going to be a great time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, please make some noise for your former world champion, the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre. Hey, Drew. He's sipping on something. I, I, what's I hope he, what's he, he sipping on? I think we have the wrong <laughs> beverage. <laughs> what, what are you sipping on there? That's your yeah. seat. They handed us water. What's happening? All right, that, that's. Come on, I'm taller. Yeah, we need to get. We need, can we get a little more height on Drew's microphone? It's a very tall man. Did Hornswoggle have this before? <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, first things first. Uh, the first thing I'm thinking about right now, well, what, what beverage is in your cup uh, early on this WrestleMania is that Friday? Early for us. He probably started at like 6 a.m. I did start at 6 a.m. I've been doing media all morning, and um, I'll leave it to everyone's imagination. <laughs> I am a professional. We do have SmackDown tonight. It might be Red Bull, but I assure you it will be more than Red Bull once I beat Carbon's arse at WrestleMania. There we go. There it is. There it is. There, there we go. So tell, tell me, Drew, what does this WrestleMania in a completely full AT&T Stadium mean for you after last year where we had half a stadium in Tampa, a year before that where you were having your biggest moment ever as a professional in the Performance Center, what does it mean to, to have a, this sort of gigantic stage this weekend at WrestleMania? Yeah, it means everything. Um, I think back to the past couple of years, two years ago in my biggest moment, winning the WWE title against Brock with nobody there. Last year, fighting for the WWE Championship against Lashley, limited capacity. Now this year, to see everybody back together um, and for the thing we love, talking about the thing we love, sharing the same passion we all have is such a cool feeling. And the fact that everyone's been able to come from all across the world to the same place, it feels like a reunion, I guess, between all of our talent 
all of our staff we don't get to see all the time, and more importantly, all of our WWE universe and doing things like this. So this is a big WrestleMania reunion. I love it. Yeah, um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it actually feels normal, at least right now, which feels pretty good. But Drew, you had a, a really crazy couple of years. I mean, for people who know your story, the last 10 years has been incredible, filled with ups and downs and leaving WWE and going to different places and coming back and then rising all the way to the top to champion. Was it a strange feeling for you to have sort of your biggest moment when the world was in such flux? Or did you feel a sense of pride at having that position at a time when, you know, we were sort of the only thing going. WWE was the biggest form of entertainment still going. How did you process that time period? I had a lot of emotions during that time. You know, I've been wrestling for 20 years since I was 15 years old at that point. So many ups, so many downs. Finally, everything fell into place. I was finally connecting with the crowd in a way I'd never connected with them just by being myself. I finally reached that next level, won the Royal Rumble, challenged Brock Lesnar, was going to WrestleMania to main event, nothing could possibly go wrong. But if you've seen Drew McIntyre's story, all the ups and downs, everything can and will go wrong for Drew McIntyre. So uh, the world shut down when I finally got my big moment and I was angry, I was upset, I was really disappointed. And it wasn't until I remember I was in Scotland and I got rushed back to America, everything started shutting down and I understood the gravity of the COVID situation, how it was affecting the world. And I heard that we were gonna push ahead and still give the world WrestleMania. Every other sport shut down, every other entertainment shut down. We were gonna bring the world WrestleMania. I was that last match, the main event, and I had that feel good story. And we talk about WWE, we like to put smiles on people's faces. This is a time where the world really needed a pick me up, needed an escape. And winning that title and that WrestleMania weekend is one of the most proud moments of my career. And hearing everybody's feedback afterwards, we were up 60% social media-wise from the year prior. But just speaking to people even on Zoom afterwards, the people I've met all across the world since, what that WrestleMania and WWE did for them during that time period, the people literally in tears telling me like WWE gave them that escape and saved their lives. This is the kind of effect it had on people. Like, this is some real stuff. And no matter, it wasn't how I imagined it when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> With thousands no, no. of screaming yeah. fans. It's exactly what it needed to be. And I'm very proud I was the man to be champion and lead the company during that point. Do you, do you feel, yeah, make some noise for that because you were a great champion through that. Do you... I know that people who make it to your level and have gone through as much as you have, you know, in this business, feeling satisfied isn't, isn't really a thing. There's always continuing to want more. But particularly for you because of when you did win the title, do you now want to win it again that much more now that the crowd is back? No. <laughs> of course. It's a ridiculous question. Oh, I'm a two-time WWE champion, and I've... Uh, held the title for about 300 days, and I'm the only person that's not had that title in front of fans. Um, I'm very proud of that period, but that's I'm very focused on yeah, becoming yeah. a three-time champion, getting that universal championship, and holding up finally in front of fans. I have some big, big goals in mind. I have some significant moments for our WWE Universe in mind, but for Drew McIntyre personally, being champion with fans is at the top of the list. I could see that happening in the next year. I could see that as well. Regardless of the result tomorrow depending on uh, 
you know, Roman over Brock, Brock over Roman. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. To well, people. do you have a preference of who you would like to pin when you have that glorious moment in front of the WWE? Who would be the most satisfying person to be looking up at the lights as you win the title? <laughs> I mean, I've got such history with Brock and Roman. Uh, you know, Brock is who I defeated for the WWE Championship in five minutes, no less. <laughs> but currently he's Cowboy Brock. He's a different incarnation of Brock. Totally. Somehow he's more terrifying when he's hanging out going, how you doing, y'all? It's me, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Why are you more terrifying when you're being nice? <laughs> so uh, he's a different Brock. He's as dangerous as anybody that's ever been in wrestling. And when it comes to Roman, he's always been the one that I haven't been able to take down since I returned to WWE. WrestleMania 35 was Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. We've had a lot of big matches. Um, with himself, myself, with the Shield, and whatever gang I was with at the time, and um, and the latest version of myself, the latest version of his self, uh, Survivor Series champion versus champion, when he finally realized I'm not the same guy, so involved his family, kicked me in the crotch, had to choke me out. So I guess it would be more satisfying to take down Roman after his 9,999-day <laughs> reign. <laughs> That'd be one mage claymore. Yeah, that would be fantastic. <laughs> now, Drew, um, you just mentioned your return, so I want to, you know, the world was shocked to hear that Triple H had to announce his retirement. Um, when you returned, you didn't jump straight to the main roster. You had a stint in NXT where you were champion there as well. So can you just talk about, was Triple H instrumental in bringing you back to NXT and, you know, sort of helping revitalize your career here in WWE? Yeah, Triple H is the reason I'm back in WWE. Um, I'm very lucky that after I got released... You know, I hit the ground. Blame the cup. Blame, I think, blame I think the cup. we're good. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah, I hit the ground running. I had some big goals. And um, I, a lot of people gave me a lot of opportunities and believed in Drew McIntyre more than that guy from 3MB. And I was able to really carve my name outside of the company, really grow my brand outside the company. And once my contract lapsed with Impact Wrestling, they were going a different direction. I decided it was time for me to go a different direction. And I figured it would be New Japan, to be honest. And I kind of started getting the uh, wheels in motion for that. My style, the physicality, I was like, that's where I want to go. That's where I'm going to fit in. And I had the conversation with William Regal, who told me, make sure you take a phone call with Triple H first. He's been watching you. He's very proud of uh, where you've come and what you've been doing. I was thinking, he's too busy. He's not watching me. He's going to have time for that. <laughs> he's trying to run a global empire. And sure enough, within a couple of hours, I was on the phone with Triple H. We spoke for about 40 minutes. Um, he was there when I was 22 years old. He watched my career, he watched my ups and downs, and he had been keeping an eye on me and was proud of not just what I'd achieved outside the company, but proud of the man that I'd finally become because I was such an immature boy at times during my first run. And he basically told me, it's time to get your ass home. And I'm so glad I did. And since I've been back, I learned so much from him. Uh, thankfully, he's at the other side of the scare. It's unfortunate he had to retire. I would have loved a match with him, but family first, health first, and he's in a good place, and he's still going to be such a big part of WWE. Yeah, make some noise for the great Triple H. Uh, Dipperstein, I know you wanted to go back in time a little yeah, bit. Talk let's a little let's bit talk of, a little nostalgia with Drew McIntyre. I would love that. So I, I uh, read uh, several places that Bret Hart was your guy. He's, he was your guy growing up. So where does he, what are you, like some of your earliest memories of Brett as a kid and how does he sort of factor into your, your top tier, your, your, you know, your Mount Rushmore of wrestling? He's definitely my Mount Rushmore of wrestling because he was my favorite wrestler growing up and it's so cool. I've built 
a relationship with them um, over the years. And I remember a tour when I was 24 years old, I was intercontinental champion. We're in Germany where Brett's such a huge name. And we have a picture together and we spent so many nights at the bar together. So that was pretty freaking cool for such a Brett, big Brett Hart fan that I was. Some of my earliest memories of Brett, uh, I had a buddy who was such a big Shawn Michaels fan. Mm. And it's interesting oh. now, like, like oh a, boy, a is, he still a, is he still a friend now? Or? <laughs> uh, well, I'll get to the story, but it's funny now, like, you know, Brett's such a, as a friend and a mentor to me, but also in NXT, Shawn became such an important mentor sure. to me and really sure. helped me in a lot of areas um, in my career, really got me to that next level. So it's funny that Brett and Shawn have such an influence in my current career. However, in school, there was WrestleMania 12, there was the Ironman uh, match, it was uh, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Remember That's right. well. My guy against my best friend's guy, and uh, his guy won. Shawn Michaels <laughs> won the championship, the he boyhood dream came true, That's and he right. kept giving me hell all day long, forgetting that I'm like a giant in Scotland, I always was. <laughs> yes. Like in America, you got a lot of big athletes, in Scotland, there's nobody like the size of me, and eventually I might have snapped, and I might have beat him up in the playground, I might have got detention. <laughs> So thank you, Sean, for getting me detention. From did you, did you <laughs> put that the first Claymore? <laughs> uh, I definitely threw a few kicks. <laughs> uh, how did you, in Scotland, what was the, how did you consume WWE? Like, was it on cable every week? How did you even find it? On a hill with a rock. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? We live in Scotland. <laughs> Running around in kilts, eating haggis. Well, like, can we do that? But we have television. I mean, to be fair, last time I saw you, you were in a kilt. <laughs> right, right, right. And hold on, hold on. I just mean, I don't know what the cable situation was That's in what the I was mid gonna 90s. Ask. Oh, right, right, yeah, right. You so, like, I thought you were saying we're prehistoric. No, no. So, like, I don't know, for example, was it Raw every Monday or did it air on a different channel on Saturday? You know, there's different deals in different places. <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually um, didn't have access to it when I was really young. It was my older cousins who used to watch wrestling all the time. And I think I was about six years old the first time I saw WWE. I vaguely remember my brother and I hiding behind the sofa like it was forbidden to watch and just being captivated by all these larger-than-life characters we saw on the television screen. And my dad likes to tell this story. I put it in my book, Chosen Destiny, out now. Well done. Uh, but uh, he's always told this story to everyone how long I've wanted to be a wrestler because I held a family meeting apparently when I was six years old. I don't oh. remember this. <laughs> now we're getting my, to it. My, yeah, my, my mom, my dad, this. and my brother apparently got them together and told them, one day I'm going to be in the WWE, I'm going to be a wrestler. And my mom and dad were like, okay, Drew, that's good because everybody wants to be a wrestler, be an uh, astronaut, oh, yeah. or ride a Tyrannosaurus Rex professionally one we day. We all had like, this dream. Yeah. I, I wanted to be Woody the Woodpecker. I understand. Yeah, there you go. So Woody Woodpecker. To my parents, that was equally as insane for me to say I'm going right, to be a wrestler. Right. They just agreed with me. But then he always says, but he never deviated from it. He just kept talking about it and talking about it. And I played soccer and everything that my friends did growing up, but I always said I'm going to be a wrestler. And when I was 10 years old, I was sending away to America for the Inside Secrets of Professional Wrestling, Volume 1 and 2 by Percy Pringle and Dennis Brent. And it told me about the secrets, and you had to keep it secret. So I kept it in a briefcase and locked the briefcase, and I kept it on top of my cupboard. And when I went to school, I played along with the storylines with everyone because I was keeping kayfabe or kafabe because I didn't know how to pronounce it. Kafabe. At the time. So that's a t-shirt. That's how obsessed I've been. And it took me until I was 15 to convince my mother to let me to go to wrestling training, which was 12 hours from where we lived. A 24-hour round trip just to get wow. to lessons. So when I finally started, I told her, I'm nine years behind. I wanted to do this since I was six. You've held me back till I'm 15. Let me go. <laughs> so I started training and debuted professionally when I was 16. And, and, and how long, how often would you have to do these commutes of 24 hours to train? As often as I could afford, as often as my mom, my nana would give me the money, and his school would allow. So basically, 
week, a long weekend, like a three-day weekend, uh, Easter holiday, maybe I get a week, I'd go down there for the summer holiday, I would spend like two weeks down there, and eventually I said to like my dad, we have to start something in Scotland, there was nothing in Scotland, we found an adult in Scotland, and then I came across such people as uh, Wolfgang, you know, from NXT UK, and a few other guys in Scotland, we started our own place, and I started teaching them the lessons I was learning in England because it just wasn't feasible to keep doing my 24-hour round trip. So you needed people locally to be yeah, able to so work I, out. So I passed it on the knowledge that I'd learned, and we started our Scottish wrestling scene, and then started our own shows wow. and kind of started the scene. I had no idea. Wow. Watch how far it's come since then. Like we like to call ourselves the you know, modern godfathers of the Scottish wrestling scene, and just because wow. there was nothing back in the day to see how far... The UK scene has evolved independently, and with NXT UK, it's just incredible because there was nothing when I started. Well, just, just like this is early two thousands, I would say. Yeah, right? yeah early two yeah. thousands. So, I you know like I, I just got to watch you know Dip and and Greg you know get into the ring, and for people who love wrestling but don't <laughs> actually wrestle. It's exciting literally every time you even get to go in the ropes and be near a yes, ring. Yes, and you notice how they do like a little pose, like in their mind, they're imagining thousands of people screaming, but really they're oh, just so you awkwardly saw, getting in. You saw what was going on. No, no, I've just seen it a million times. <laughs> and so for you, when you were a kid, what do you remember how magical the feeling was when you actually got to run the ropes and get inside the ring? Yeah, I remember... Um, the first ever training I did was personal training. My mom agreed to let myself, my friend, travel the 12 hours down, spoke to the trainer. He assured we'd be looked after. We would stay inside the facility with the ring, and he would make sure we're taken care of. We had to check in on our primitive mobile phones at the time. <laughs> so we got to stay inside the center with the ring on it, which was beyond a dream. It was like, oh my goodness, we've died and gone to heaven. We're going to stay with the ring. <laughs> so We hadn't got in it yet, but we got to sleep in it the night before we got in it. And we were like, let's do it. Let's bounce off the ropes. And we ran off the ropes. And I remember he had his arms by his side, which you're not supposed to do. And he fell right through the middle rope to the floor. <laughs> thought, wow. he, thought he broke his arm. And, the next day when we actually got taught how to do it properly, it turns out it's really not very easy. Like running off the ropes, you get marks all over your body, it hurts, oh, yeah. hitting the corner, those are the tightest parts of the ring. And trying to get the timing perfect to hit that corner isn't easy, so I had black and blue marks down my ribs, marks all over my back. I'd start doing the, the technical wrestling aspect, it wasn't coming naturally. I kept asking, can I do a swanton bomb yet? This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Was there anything, like, moves that you were desperate to do that you that you just could not quite get and like you wanted them to be a part of your repertoire 450 <laughs> degree splash really 450 oh you wanted a 450, 450 splash? splash I tried it all the time I just could not do it for some reason every time I came around I would catch my feet on the way around and eventually got to the point where I was giving myself shin splints because I tried it so many times in a row and I but you're thinking correctly 
if I can hit this, it'll look incredible. And that would be so awesome, a guy of your size doing it. I course. never thought of it like a guy my size. I just thought of it, this is really cool. I want to do it. And I used to do like springboards to the top and jump to the outside, sp regular springboards in the ring. I couldn't do a moonsault. I'd do the swanton and flips over the top, which I sometimes still do. Maybe I will tomorrow. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I just wanted to be like able to do like everything, everything cool. And I was a tall guy at 15, but I was a skinny guy. Like I never really thought of it. Like I'm a big guy. It wasn't until I got along a little bit and I realized, man, this really hurts. And there's guys that do these flips better than me. Like the first time I met Pac in the independent scene, I saw how crazy he was at the the flips. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna gain some more weight and be one of the bigger guys who use his athleticism <laughs> rather than being a human. flipping guy because I can't get people packing ricochet. <laughs> right, and I'm sure. I mean, that's one of the things in my in my experience getting to like listen to Booker and JBL sort of talk about what they see. One of the things they always kind of point out is that you use what your body can do for you, and if you're a guy with if you're a big guy, take advantage of that by not having to spend a whole career flying outside of the ring. Like, as you get older, do you appreciate sort of uh, limiting your moveset to some degree to try to have a longer career? Or do you always want to occasionally take that risk? Yeah, but does it mean as much also if you do it all the time and people expect it of you? You're kind of shortchanging yourself and the potential story and emotional connection through it all. That's what I've learned over my career and I wish I got earlier. But it's not about the moves. It's about telling that story to connect with the fans on an emotional level. And when you're able to do that storytelling aspect and have the good match, and when you break out the big move you can do, it means that much more. Then you've got it made, and it's a better show for the fans and a lot better for your body. I, I, oh, sorry, Greg. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, because you mentioned Booker T, JBL, Legends, Hall of Famers tonight. The Undertaker's graveyard is right there. Um, can you speak there to There it is. Can you, can you speak to your memories of some of this, th these members of the Hall of Fame class going in? Maybe Steiner Brothers, Undertaker? Vader. Yeah. Vader, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, where should I start? Uh, like, most of them are, are fans. Um, I'll, I'll leave Taker to last. But uh, Steiner's watching them growing up, um, just an incredible tag team. And then just one day, I remember my uncle used to record WCW for us. It wasn't on our um, satellite network or whatever. And he had to record it, give us a VHS. And I remember one day seeing Big Papa Pump for the first time. Going, oh, yeah. Is that the same guy for the Steiner Brothers tag team? <laughs> yeah. And he's so entertaining and all his promos and his wild ramblings over the years that have become memes and short clips. <laughs> like, I thought it was two different people. Yeah, I, I was thought it was up. two different people. There but was yeah. the old Steiner and the new Steiner. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah, you watch those tag team matches, they still hold up today. I would not like to have been suplexed around by them when I was younger. Not that you, had, you didn't have a choice. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to. You don't really have a choice. <laughs> They're going to do what they're going to do to you back in the day, and you're going to have no choice. And I yeah. guess it's the same with like Vader. Hear all the stories about people would uh, walk into the locker room, look at the board, see who am I fighting tonight? Vader. Nope. Pick their bag up and walk <laughs> right back out. But I would love to have got in there with him at his prime, mixed it up. I love that physical style. And he was such an incredible big man, especially, you know, in those like late 80s, early 90s when he was able to do everything he was physically capable of. He was just unbelievable. That match and story with Ric Flair, with the, was it the Flair to the Gold? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. for the goal. Yeah, the build-up, the match itself, unbelievable. And um, obviously, Undertaker, I mean, he deserves his own freaking wing in the Hall of Fame. He Looks deserves like his he's own got separate... It, right? Yeah, he's yeah. already There's here. a whole museum over there. Yeah, his own separate Hall of Fame. His career is just untouched, unparalleled. And 
my personal experiences with them have been unbelievable. Like meeting the person himself and being told by Vince McMahon when I was 22, you only listen to The Undertaker. Don't listen to anyone else because he's your mentor. And all the lessons he would teach me and I was not on the same level of wrestling IQ as him. So all of them would fly over my head and I'd look at him like, I don't get what you're saying. And they look at me and say, stop playing the wrestler and be the wrestler. I'm like, there it is. What does that mean? <laughs> I am being a wrestler, but what he's trying to tell me was relax, be in the moment, be present. You're trying too hard. It's obvious in your eyes and your body language. You're not connecting with the crowd. Just be there with them and stop worrying so much about the stupid moves that we've talked about already. It took years for lessons like that to click in. And I'm so fortunate I got the chance to come back with them for a match with myself and Shane McMahon against himself and Roman where uh, my favorite part of the match, if you ever see the first match we had when I was a kid, we went face to face. It looked like a child stepping in front of a man and I should never have been in the ring with them. <laughs> and then you watch the moment in the tag match, we go face to face. It looks like two grown men like ready to fight. And that was my favorite part. And there was a part at the end that people remember when he went for the tombstone, signal when I rose up behind him. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. But my favorite part was the face to face part. And like I say, just the lessons he taught me, especially these days when I'm able to talk to him on the same level, he's got so much knowledge. He's been such a part of generations and generations throughout the years. He once looked at me, like my lovely beard now, I'll never forget when I first tried to grow a beard. And I was feeling pretty proud of myself. I'm starting to look like a man. And then I saw Taker, how are you doing Taker? He one look at me and said, I've got more hair on my ass than you've got in your whole face, boy. <laughs> so now he's very proud of my beard and how far I've come. <laughs> He definitely deserves to be uh, like in the Hall of Fame and get his own wing. Do you, uh, do you, like you mentioned that moment with you guys face to face? Do you, we know you've told us what a fan you are. Do you frame any pictures or put any memorabilia, titles, stuff like that? Do you have a room of your wrestling accomplishments, anything like that? Uh, I, I do accumulate it. I don't have like a shrine to myself. <laughs> like Seamus's house is just a shrine to himself. <laughs> Um, I'm kidding. It used to be. It's just one room now. <laughs> but I, I do collect my stuff because I heard people say, like, if you don't, if you collect your stuff, you're such a mark. I'm like, that's not true at all. Like, one day I'm going to be retired, and then I'm going to think, I wish I collected all my stuff. And like Randy Orton gave me some advice once. It's like, hey, if you get the opportunity after a big match, take a little souvenir from the match. You'll be able to look back on it and go, wow, that's from that match where I did this. Did, and uh, the, we did own the cell match. Like, remember, I cut the padlock to get in. Yep, right take before. The yeah, I took part of the uh, part of the padlock that I cut off. I've got little padlock. souvenirs like that. And for Undertaker, <laughs> we had like a figure pack together, which was surreal to me. Um, it's like oh, a double wow. pack of the Rumblers or whatever. I've got yeah, that yeah. bad boy. And anything cool like that, I do keep it all. It drives my wife crazy. My garage outside is just full of the stuff. And I, one you, of these days, maybe I'll create the Drew Room, but yeah. I'm not ready for that yet. Seamus is way older, though. We met when I was 19. He was about 49. So <laughs> once I get to his age, maybe I need a shrine to myself. Did you, uh, were, you, were you a big collector growing up as a kid, a wrestling fan? What did they sell in Scotland? Everything, stop making Scotland sound like this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we get television, we have mobile they phones. Had, they had we Toys R Us? Yes, we Toys R Us or a Shocking says we had a Toys R Us. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my thing was that like, we didn't come from a lot of money, so like every Christmas was when we asked for, like, can we get the games console or can we get the action figures or whatever. But yeah, I did have an extensive collection of the little Hasbro guys. Oh, yeah, and then oh, yeah. The next generation of them and... I mean, as time went on, I was quieter about my collecting. I'm not quite Zack Ryder level, but we I collected the ones I liked. We all had that evolution in our, in our collecting well, lives. Some, some of us, we keep going. I um, know. Uh, Drew, you mentioned Randy Orton, <laughs> and he's been very open uh, about sort of his change 
over the years and sort of evolving into a different guy from being a punk when he was younger in the early 2000s to really kind of being a leader and a different kind of guy. What can you say about Randy, your relationship, and his evolution? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to see. I mean, it's obvious how good he was on screen, but awesome to see how far he's come as a person. And I remember what he was like when I was a kid. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, how does he get away with this? When you were coming up? Yeah. Like some of the stuff that I would see in the way he acted, he's been very honest and open about it. So I'm not speaking out of turn. And yep. it's cool to see just where he's at now, you know, as a man. And in ring wise, it was undeniable. That's why he got away with all they get away with, because he was so freaking good <laughs> that everyone just believed in him. Like, we can get him there. We just got to we believe in this guy. He's going to get to the promised line. He's going to grow up eventually. Maybe it took a little longer. Maybe it took a wife. I can say the same thing. It took me and my wife to help me grow up and get to where I'm at today. But to see Randy step up as the leader that he is today is unreal. And he's the one that cemented me as a player at the top of the card. Like, feeding with Brock was amazing. Beating Brock, amazing. Eliminating from the Rumble. They said, oh, Drew's got an opportunity to be on top. But can he stay? Can he stay up, step up to the top guys on the microphone in the ring? And if you remember that period, Randy had been feuding with Edge. Was doing the best work of his career. And I knew when he's on the mic, I'm going to have to step my game up. I'm champion in the ring. I'm going to have to step my game up. I was able to do it. Randy was able to showcase me at that level and really cemented my spot at the top of the card. As much as I had to keep telling him, you're the leader around here. And he doesn't, you know, take praise very well. And I had to keep telling him, like, trust me, we all look to you. And now he's grown into it, he's accepted it, and he's 100% the locker room leader. Who, who are some of these guys that are just coming up now, some of the NXT roster some of the younger guys who are now in the, the next generation coming up that you've taken under your wing or that you sort of see as the next Drews and the, new, the next Randys? Uh, well, you never know like, how things are going to pan out. Obviously, you can be doing one thing in NXT and maybe it's working there and then you try something raw or SmackDown, it doesn't necessarily work out. But anyone that wants any help or any advice, I'm always there. I'm not going to impose my will on anybody um, but if you got a question for, for Drew McIntyre I'm always going to help out and it's cool to see when people succeed uh, I remember when like, Priest came up initially and he'd been working with Sheamus for a while really making a name for himself getting on a run and I don't think I'd been pinned especially by somebody's finish in a very long time and we had a triple threat on Raw and I know I was adamant about I'm going to make sure he comes out of this looking as good as he can possibly look because I believed in him and still do and whenever I get an opportunity to help someone else out and pull them up, you know, I'm always going to be there. And right now, uh, you know, Seamus is with Ridge. He's got the UK style, the physical style. You know, he's a work in progress right now. We're helping him out. Yeah. And I see people down in NXT that are going to come up, that are going to make a big impact. And if they need the help from Drew McIntyre, he's going to be right there. Speaking of not being pinned by somebody's finish, on commentary, they make a big deal about Happy Corbin's undefeated since... He flipped the coin and rolled the dice and got lucky. But also, I don't think I've seen anybody kick out of that end of days yet. So is that something that concerns you going into the WrestleMania match? That not only is he on a hot streak, but he's got this move that has put down every single person on the roster from Roman to whoever is <laughs> Becky Lynch. I mean, listen, we, we can say what we want about Happy Corbin. There's a lot to say. End of days is pretty awesome. Hard, hard to argue. That's a good point. Any concerns there? Yeah, I mean, there's lots I could say about Corbin. We've only got, I don't know how much time left, what a terrible human being he is. But realistically, he's 6'7", 300 pounds, high-level athlete. 
is genuinely unlikable. That's what wrestling's kind of missing a lot of today is getting those bad guys that people don't point at and go, he's a great bad guy. If they say that, he's not a great bad guy. That means you've got something about him you like. He has no redeeming qualities. I think his family even hate him. That's how terrible a human being he actually is. He's a and that's great because we need genuine terrible guy. We need genuine bad guys, and it's hard to be a genuine bad guy in today's day and age, and he thrives on it, and I can see it in social media how much people actually hate him. So I like that. So when I beat him up, it means that much more. But he does have the finishing move. Uh, he's got the end of days. It's put down everybody. I felt it this past Monday. He can deliver it to me, and he's very, very strong. He delivered it with relative ease. But here's the thing. If he doesn't want it kicked out of, I suggest he doesn't do it to Drew McIntyre because I'm the same guy that kicked out of Lesnar's F5 on one. So I think I can kick out of an end of days. Well, well said. Well said, Drew. Um, any thought in your mind? Like, you know, there's some really huge matches. Literally, the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Stupendous. It's the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania of all time. We have all these massive matches and title implications. Your guys' match does not have title implications. Is there a part of you that goes in with the mindset of, we are going to have the best match of those two days? Yeah, 100%. I don't know what's wrong with you. If you're not going to think, not necessarily I'm going to have the best match, but I'm going to make people remember this. <clears throat> I'm going to create multiple moments and a lasting moment from this WrestleMania. And I've had people mention to me in interviews, like, well, how do you feel about this match? Mostly social. Like, why are you not doing something else? Why are you not fighting in the tube? Excuse me, this Red Bull's getting me. Take a sip, take a sip, please. <laughs> it's the Red Bull's fault, I need water. And then why are you not in a title match? Why are you not doing more? And I've said, yes, I understand since I came back, I faced Roman in my first match. And then the next year it was against Brock in the title match. Then it was Lashley the following year. And they're not seeing it quite in the same level. I'm like, well, I see it kind of different. Those matches were all about glory, all about prestige, all about championships. This story's been going for five months somehow. In today's day and age, that's a, a dog's age. So if I can steal one from like a movie, if much as those ones were personal, but championship, this one's personal. Drew McIntyre is going to make an example of Corbin. If you saw on Monday, he stole my sword. I'm sure I'm not going to take that lightly tonight when I get there. I'm probably going to end up getting my hands on it. Maybe I'll do something with it, or maybe I'll save it to Mania. All I know is Corbin's going to get embarrassed, humiliated, and his arse beat by Drew McIntyre. There you go. All right, last, last two questions I have for you. Uh... What's the name you see when you show up to a house show and you see the list of matches? What's the name that when you see him, you go, yes, this is going to be an easy night of work. I love working with this person. There's a few. Um, whenever I see Seth's name or even Roman's name, uh, yeah, gender is a night off. Like, again, a genuine person that gets a genuine boo. There he is watching us over there. <laughs> making sure I talk about him. <laughs> His cut up. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Yeah, um, yeah there's so many talented oh, yeah, performers we've got now. When I see, like, Seamus, I keep mentioning Seamus, give him a hard time. Like, we are best friends, that's why I give him a hard time. But when I see Seamus' name, I think, oh, God, this is going to hurt, but it's going to be entertaining. We're going to lay into each other. We're going to make people question what they think about this industry when we get in together. So I'm always excited when we do get in. So you guys are up. always going to test each other and work it kind of stiff. Because you're that close. Have you watched our matches before? Yeah. Like when I remember, like one time I was laying in with like my punches and I'm laying my stuff in, and his eye was welting up. He was getting a little upset about it, I guess. So if you zoom in and some of those short punches I was doing, it was like the kind of Mick Foley ones that he likes to get yeah, yeah, yeah. From, yeah. from Terry Funk and the likes, and they start swelling up. He decided to get me back at fast lane when I wore the face paint. And the first thing of the match, he swung up punch from hell it caught me in the temple though and if you watch closely you'll see my legs almost go out and I remember thinking don't you dare go out so he's not getting his hands raised tonight and he managed to get my feet back again it was like a moment in Rocky 
They remember Rocky Balboa at the very end, he's having the fight, he gets hit, and he almost goes down, and he has that montage in his head. Like, uh, <laughs> he, sees, he sees Apollo dying, he sees yep. all the people. He sees all the montage, oh, you told the kid, it's not how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit, and keep moving forward, keep pushing forward. I literally did one of those, and then slowly turned back to him. It was literally that In your head the during the match, you're having the whole Rocky Four car montage, <laughs> yeah. with there's no easy way out playing. Almost, except it's more like him, just like, <laughs> and not <laughs> that was always going through my head. I was like, no way he's getting that. <laughs> oh, now, Dip, cover your ears. When you have a match like that, I always wonder about this. If it's someone you're really close with, like Seamus, do you guys have to talk about anything, or is it literally just like, hey, see you out there? It's mostly see you out there. Like, obviously, the story you try to tell, figure out that, what's going to happen to the conclusion, figure out that, and then go out there and say sorry, have a few beers later. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, before we go, I, we, I, you know, I'd love to hear you fill out the rest of your Mount Rushmore besides Bret Hart. Oh. Who, else, who else is on that? Who else is etched in, in history in the annals the of Drew time? The Drew McIntyre Tears of Mage. That's right. All right, who's your top uh, tier? It's too difficult. I keep getting asked this, and then I keep changing it every single time. That's okay. I, it's I not easy somebody. for any of us to answer. This is the official one, though. All right. I mean, I'm not from America, so I don't know how many people there is. Don't tell me. So I'm just going to make up my own version of Mount Rushmore. Do it. So uh, let's see what we get. <laughs> Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker, Brett, Sean, Flair, <laughs> Cena. I'm thinking people they've drawn. Uh, yeah, I was gonna put on there. I hear some names. Seven's a pretty big Mount Rushmore. That's a big, that's a big yeah. You're almost a double Mount Rushmore. <laughs> no, no, well, I'm not from here, so I'm just gonna. We'll, we'll, we'll just call it a top tier then. We'll top tier. Top top, tier. No, that's, a, that's a very good tier. Have you gotten to have some good interactions with Flair over the years? Yeah, yeah, he's. Got some stories, that's for Ooh. sure. Like one of the, if you remember the Orton feud, there was a point where, you know, Flair was in Randy's corner, yep. and I remember. I love that part. Yeah. They, there was a promo Randy and I did um, in the performance center, and like this isn't just your regular old promo with a crowd behind it, and you're getting the crowd's energy. These are like interactions, like in a private room, and people just happen to be watching on television. And Randy like delivered this uh, promo to me, and it was real deep. And again, he's doing the best work of his life. It was all based in reality, and I remember consciously thinking. Wow, I've got to come back to this. And he's standing beside Ric Flair as well. This is it, Drew. This is the moment you prove you belong. And if you fail, then you don't belong in it. And I was thinking this as I'm in the ring, and I'm like, wait, stop thinking. Stop concentrating what's been said because you're about to retort. But I knew this was the moment I really had to step up. And I remember delivering that promo and seeing Flair right there. And afterwards, he had a lot of complimentary things to say about it, which was cool. And uh, you've heard a bunch of Rick's stories he's told publicly. I've heard some privately. And <laughs> He's a wild man. He's a wild man, that is for sure. <laughs> um, hey, hey, Drew, listen, man, we wish you all the success in your career. Also tomorrow against that dastardly, awful, happy Corbin. Um, thank you for the time. Congratulations on the last couple well, years. Thank you. Dallas, Texas, make some noise for Drew McIntyre. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Stay mage. That's right. Enjoy WrestleMania. Thank you, everybody. professional wrestler in the history of the art form. M-m-m-m-mage.